Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special edition of the Orlando Soccer Show, where, yes, we are in fact screaming because so much has happened in the past 72 hours that we feel we felt like we needed to record a special episode. We're not even going to talk about the game that Orlando City won against the Philadelphia Union. No, we're saving that till next week. This show is specifically dedicated to all of the breaking news that has happened on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, where new ownership, Mark Skinner leaves, and Chris Mueller set to leave at the end of the year. And we're going to talk about all of that and nothing else. Nothing else. So this is going to be, I'm saying this now and I'm going to regret it, a short episode. And to join me, we have Kyle Foley and Gavin Eubank. Gentlemen, first off, how have you been handling this week of news? Well, I handled it by sitting back with a nice freshly made rum and coke while watching the 2004 hit animated classic Finding Nemo. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks, Kyle. Um, personally, I just finished chugging a large iced coffee, so ready to go. Trying to keep up with all of it. Honestly, my head is spinning. Yes. Uh, hence our intro for today. It, it was um, it was a lot. So uh, let us start with the first news, and then we'll go to the latest news, and then we'll we'll get right to the thing in the middle with Chris Mueller. New ownership. This has been in the works for quite a while. I kind of teased it on last week's show, but I couldn't say anything officially. Now it's official, but with an added twist. So the new ownership, the Will family, has officially taken over from Flavio Augusto da Silva for an unspecified amount of money. However, there has been an added twist into the equation. There are some minority owners that were announced within the press release. Who are not minorities, we should add. They are not minorities, and they're not technically owners. They are officially limited partners. That is their official title. It is the DeVos family, well known throughout the Orlando community as owners of the Orlando Magic and generally displeased by the entire city of Orlando to the point Ooh. that in last night's game, Ooh. there was already, within 24, 48 hours of the announcement, a DeVos out banner in the wall. I would like to present to you right now a list of Orlando natives that like the DeVos family. Ready? Here we go. There we go. That's the list. <laughs> well, the reason... That this partnership came about, from what I have been told, is that the Wilfs and the DeVosses are good friends. Because money follows money, as as most people know. You're saying billionaires are friends with each other? Yeah, apparently. True concept. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we wouldn't know. We're, we're not billionaires. I mean, speak for yourself. <laughs> I mean, we're all... first of all, Gavin's actual, Gavin's actual last name is Publix. His name is Gavin Publix. So, like, he would know about yeah, being his, a billionaire. It, no, no and comment. his middle name is his middle name is from. <laughs> it's a, no yeah, comment from Publix. It's like that. No, no, I got the joke. It's my Xbox I got the joke. It, it wasn't a good one, but I got it. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> Anywho, the DeVos family has been brought in as limited partners. Now, from what I have been told by a multitude of sources. They don't have any voting power. They don't actually have any decision-making power. They are well, so just they, there so as really, advisors. So they really are being treated like the way they want to treat minorities. Oof. How well, uh, now that you mention that, I, it's a horrible transition, but <laughs> the partnership between these two families is most likely for one reason and one reason only. Money. To gentrify Paramore. All the money that both of these families can put together from the Amway Center all the way down, from Church Street all the way down into Paramore, will probably be used to buy out everybody that is currently living or working there in order to build up a brand new downtown area. I mean, was that not everybody was, out? Was that not essentially the pitch for building Orlando City Stadium there in the first place, though? Was like. Oh, they we're were going help. to improve the current community. Yeah, and that's what but they meant. Not by kicking out. No, no. What? Come on. When rich people say we're going to use our money and improve the community, we know exactly what they mean. 
Like that was absolutely always going to happen, no matter who was in charge. Yeah, but it's 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 Flavio. Like Flavio wasn't. He just wanted the stadium. Well, yeah, Flavio Flavio didn't want to spend any money, but like hmm. <laughs> Flavio wanted a stadium and a team, and then wanted to cash out when it became worth it. Like Flavio was not mm-hmm. in this uh, to continually make money because Flavio is not like rich like the Wilfs and the DeVosses are rich, right? So I mean, they, not but, to 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 not sidetrack us. Before we go down this long tangent, I mean, unintended consequences, you know, a stadium comes in and naturally the area around it is going to slowly change and, you know, in certain directions based on mm-hmm. the people and the businesses that move in and the and the money. money that well, I just I just I just disagree that it's unintended consequences. I think it's absolutely what they wanted. No, no, it's, it's what the city of Orlando wanted. No, it's, it's what ownership what wanted. Orlando City wanted. No, it is absolutely in ownership of a professional sports team wants the community around their stadium to be as white as possible so that they can claim that it is so they can go, Oh, look at how nice and safe this area is. I mean Ta- Orlando put it in the most dangerous one well, of the it's the only place they could put it. They put it in the only place there was room. They didn't put it there. For any other reason it other was, than that was it, where there was room, and now their right. and their plan was to completely change that area, so it wasn't the way people stereotypically think of Paramore. Yes. Now here's the thing with with Paramore and and with Church Street because technically the stadium is on corner Church and Paramore. Uh, Paramore literally leads into the supporters' gate, uh, if you will. Like it used to go all the way through to Church, and now it stops at the stadium. With Church Street. You've already seen some kind of gentrification with the apartment complex that's right down the road from there. Uh, everything across from it is still somewhat older. You still have the church that's literally right next door to Orlando City Stadium and, and uh, Exploria Stadium, shall I say. And they ha- didn't sell to the city or to the team. Uh, they will probably sell to the Wolves because they will offer them an exorbitant amount of money and say, okay, bye. Like, Are you going to turn down triple or quadruple the price of what your land is worth probably not i mean I, I i will say too like we've been going to that stadium for four years now like i there has been change noticeable change but for the most part not a lot um but with this new family their background is in real estate so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah this that's the big thing probably the big draw here outside of the appreciating value that is a major league soccer franchise you know they bought it for 450 million and by the time the world cup comes around it's probably going to be worth a billion dollars you know and that's just the club not to mention all of what is austin is alluding to every all of their other products projects that are probably going to start popping up in the area right and and the thing is with the ownership they own not only the teams in orlando city orlando pride they also own the stadium they also own the training complexes at sylvan lake and lake mary and down south in kissimmee there's a lot they can do, not only with the training complexes, but also with the stadium. The stadium was, in, in layman's terms, built on the cheap compared to some other stadiums that are popping up now. Uh, I think that they'll spend some money redeveloping some portions of the stadium. I think that they will invest in that empty lot right next door and the surrounding areas in order to build up what they envision to have uh, as their their like in giant complex of soccer and gavin mentioned the entire real estate background this isn't just an investment into orlando city the soccer team it is an investment into orlando the city they are investing in that area along with the devos family who has been here uh the reason that they are bringing in the devos family as advisors is because they know the area and they have been around for the last 30 years in Orlando. And they so want to be able that to inside hand when exactly. you're talking to to City Hall and the people involved in, in these. Yeah. Sort and of that, deals. Th- again, this is we're not even discussing the reason that people hate the DeVos family. I am simply looking at it from a practical standpoint. We can get into why people hate the DeVos family and, and such after this, but the the very overarching reason that this is happening is because of of that yeah it's kind of annoying and you know it's just one of those 
facts of life that we now just have to live with. But like you said, and like it's been reported, they're not calling the shots. They're not running the team. They're, you know, if I gave Orlando City money to be an investor, I'd have just as much say as they do. So, you know, it is what it is. You, you know, no matter how many posters you put up, <laughs> let me tell you, they don't care. They're going to, you know, they're going to continue doing what they do. Kyle? No, I, uh, I, know I kinda, kept interrupting you, so. No, you're fine. Kind of the same as what you guys have been saying. I mean, I don't really have anything, like, extra, like, outrageously insightful. I, I do think when we talked about this on the first episode when these rumors were kind of first coming to light, like, I think the – I believe the Will family is going to be a much better ownership – I don't know, group. I don't know what the, the word would be that you'd want me to use. But they're, they're going to be it's, much – It's group, yes. Be, better owners than the previous – Orlando City owners. So I am excited for what we're going to see next. And like we're going to talk about in a minute, like the way that they're going to resolve issues and deal with things. I'm cautiously optimistic. Let's take a moment very quickly before we move on to the other stuff that we're going to talk about today and talk about Flavio Augusta da Silva. Because as one new family takes over, we need to talk about who is now leaving. Uh, Flavio came into the club in 2013 when Phil Rollins was still here. He invested in the opportunity of making this an MLS franchise. It came to pass. He built it up. He built his own stadium with privately funded money, as as well as some other funds coming from other places, uh, including people that paid a million dollars to get green cards, but that's that's beside the point. He built the stadium not using public money he got all these private investors who were then bought out when the team was sold but he did it you know he was able to do it in the quote-unquote right way not by pissing off everybody in the city for having to pay for a soccer stadium but one that was paid for from his means from his connections from his opportunities that he was able to create himself and then again one of the reasons people hate the DeVos family is they threatened to move the Magic if they didn't get their new stadium. And then proceeded to do nothing since then with the team. Beside the point, Flavio was able to do what he set out to do, which was get this team to an MLS franchise. The success didn't necessarily get there until the very end, but... It was a milestone in the city of Orlando to be able to get a professional soccer team in Major League Soccer thanks to a lot of what he was able to do with his money. Yeah, he's one of those people that I think he deserves he deserves a fair shake in that things didn't go right, obviously, like you said, for, for quite a bit. Um, but they are, they're going right now. But outside of that... Orlando City in its current form, and not just what the team is on the field, but as a club, as a structure, is not what it is, where it is, without Flavio and his backing here. Like you said, this stadium does not get done. Um, I think this is bullshit. No, I I don't agree. Sorry, but the (laughs) idea that there was going to be nobody else that would have... No, no, no. I I don't think we're saying that. We're not saying that there was nobody else. Right. Like yes, yes, he was able to do it. That's it. Flavio's money made it happen. Flavio also made a ton of really shitty decisions and putting friends in positions they shouldn't have been in. And, like, so, yes, like, things happened because of him, but also, like, a ton of bad things happened because of him, and anybody else could have done the good things. I say anybody else. Obviously not anybody else. Right, but, like, but what, the so good the things point... could have happened without him. I I don't think he – I do think he gets a fair shake. I think he, he did some good things in terms of making – Orlando an MLS destination and a, and a place that, you know, MLS wanted to have a club and making that happen. But I think he also deserves more blame for the things that went wrong in the fact that last year, in a very question mark, asterisk year, we were competitive. And this year, appear to most likely still be competitive, but it's been seven years since coming to the league. Like, you don't get credit for taking seven years, you know, five years of being completely dysfunctional and finally figuring it out by guys who had already figured out how to do it 
in Dallas and bringing them in to just do it here. Like, to me, you don't get credit for that. To me, you get, like, congrats, like, you put your underwear on before your pants. Like, good for you. <laughs> Listen, starting a professional sports organization from scratch is not an easy thing to do. And we well, very didn't. clearly see that. Well, yeah, he, he didn't obviously start didn't it from start scratch. The team. But to, the, to start a major league soccer team, essentially like they they had to build the whole roster up they had to build the infrastructure up to do yeah, but all he of that. didn't do that he didn't do that work. it's not an easy thing to do and we see that with almost every expansion team some are worse than others but many of them atlanta you know lafc the teams that have the huge financial backings aside are not successful early and that's not excusing orlando's early performances because we've through the years we've aired our grievances on where things went wrong and where they could have been better. But the point of what I'm saying is, you know, what is one of the biggest knocks against Flavio owning this team is that he's one of the quote unquote poorest owners in the league. But at what time have we ever included Orlando city in that conversation of low spending teams, not high payroll teams. Orlando has been in the top half of MLS payroll top, you know, top 10 for most of, if not their entire time in Major League Soccer. The money has been there, not to the extent that people would like to see it, and maybe it hasn't been spent in the best ways. I think we can all agree on that. But I think he doesn't get a fair shake because people just assume that because he's not a billionaire, that his support hasn't meant anything to this team. Like you know, we've said, he's the stadium entirely financed and that certainly creates a lot of goodwill among the supporters and, and among just the people that live in Orlando and don't have to foot the bill for this. But, you know, like I said, Orlando constantly is a team that has, you know, this year excluded just for other reasons, you know, constantly has three designated players when some teams do not do that, let alone have two on their roster. How many of them have actually worked out, though? How many players? Again, and I'm not saying that every decision, every dollar has been spent the perfect way. But I'm saying that the effort has been there. The uh, Nobody's you know, arguing. I'm not arguing the, the effort has been there. The money has been there. How many, you know, he had, Orlando had the highest paid player in the league for three seasons. It's had Nani on its budget as, a, you know, a multi-million dollar player for the last several seasons. It's had multiple players on its roster as over million dollar players for the last six seasons. So, I mean, I think... That's more of what I'm getting at is that that's more of an indictment listen, the on the leadership. No, that is absolute. Yeah, but the results are absolutely critical into judging the direction of the, you know, the, the way of the club. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think what should be noticed is the fact that the effort was there. And and, you know, I'm trying behind the scenes to kind of gauge people and and listening kind of hearing people out on on Flavio the man because he's obviously was not a very front-facing person and we didn't hear from them you know and for good or bad ownership can you know that can be a good thing but we don't know a lot about him we don't know a lot about how he's viewed this time what his ultimate role has been in you know a lot of these situations but we know that we know that the the desire to put a good product on the field has been there again hasn't doesn't mean that it has been good and i'm not excusing any of that right i'm just saying that the a lot of the uh frustrations may be drawn out to a point because of certain things when in reality you know i think that there's there's been more good than there has been bad done by i i would disagree i think it's going to take a lot of time to really understand Flavio's ownership because again it's what 48 hours 72 hours after it's over I think you're you give it a few years to really get the full spectrum of his impact on Orlando City and Orlando City soccer uh right now it's just kind of instant reactions but I don't I don't think I also don't think it's instant reactions I think a lot of this stuff is special if it was instant reactions I think things would be more positive because of the way the last couple years yeah wrong 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 wording not instant reactions. It's just very, very early reactions to the end. You know, again, we won't understand the full impact of his ownership until we see what the Wolves do with it, because then you can kind of gauge how his ownership compares. Yeah, I mean, the sentiment that I've seen, I'll just one last note, is like the sentiment I've seen is there is some recency bias in the fact that Orlando is finally playing well. But pretty much everybody that 
has, you know, responded to me on, on Twitter when I asked the other day, like, simply, like, did you think he was good for this club? Most people said, yeah, like, the things that Orla- that Orlando City fans have gotten out of being able to share this experience of being in Major League Soccer, of having the stadium, of all these things, everyone agrees that a lot of the moves weren't perfect, but ultimately, the club is not in the position where it is without him, and, you know, it's on to the next ownership group to move it along and grow it even more. Yes. And, and I will say, because uh, Kyle mentioned, you know, Flavio brought in his friends. One of those was Kaká. And I don't think you're <laughs> at the point where you are with this club without the impact, not necessarily on the field, but off the field. Just right. his name being associated mm-hmm. with sure. the club I have been, to where you are. I have been now. very outspoken throughout the years on the show though that on the field kaka was more of a mistake than he was in he was a marketing tool a very effective marketing tool he became much more of a hindrance on the field after the first season than he was off that's a whole different discussion right that's a whole different conversation right now very different discussion right so that's what i'm saying we're not having today so my my (laughs) issue with him always maybe on a not short show my issue with him always was making the wrong decisions off the field, and we're going to get into this next topic here right now, cause we'll, so we'll, we'll move on from this, but you will see new ownership already appears to have made a really good, their first big move appears to have been a good one, if it, if it is indeed true, appears to be a really good first move, whereas it's very hard to find good examples of any good moves outside of the current head coach and general manager of Orlando City uh, that the management had made previously. Hmm. Okay. So as you say, we're going to move on to the next topic now. And the next topic is what just happened today, being Friday. This has been reported since July 10th, and it has slowly progressed from rumors to reports and now to basically official, where Mark Skinner the former now head coach of the Orlando Pride has stepped down from the team after two and a half seasons on the job. After a 9-23-11 tenure with the Pride, he is heading off to Manchester United and their women's side alongside Carl Green, his assistant. Now, Skinner was not at practice the last couple days he was not available for media on wednesday when he was supposed to be he wasn't available on thursday when he was supposed to be and then the news came out today being friday that he had stepped down and well gavin you and i were on the call today with amanda duffy i will play her audio right now and then we will uh talk about it afterwards but Uh, Here is Amanda Duffy speaking just her opening statement on what transpired with Mark Skinner. So earlier today, we, of course, announced Mark uh, stepping down from his position as head coach of Orlando Pride, as well as Carl Green uh, stepping down following the game tomorrow night. Um, Earlier this week uh, on Monday, the club was contacted by Manchester United to um, engage with Mark in a conversation about their open opportunity, um, the head coach position for Manchester United women. We granted that approval on Monday and through this week have had various conversations uh, between uh, Orlando Pride and Manchester United uh, in connection with uh, Mark and Carl's current contracts with the club. Uh, while Mark was also engaged with Manchester United exploring the opportunity. And uh, I spoke to Mark on Monday before granting the permission to Manchester United, and we we spoke at length about um, his um, status and um, vision and, and work that he's been building here, the foundation he's laid here in Orlando with Orlando Pride with this team over the last two and a half years, uh, but also spent a lot of time talking about uh, the time that Mark's been away from his family. Um, As many of you know, last year, uh, Mark's partner and daughter were in England while he was here in the United States. And while they've been here for some period of time, 
um, this year in 2021. Um, they're currently back in, in England. And that type of separation, as well as um, other family matters that, um, uh, of course, are important to Mark, the distance and not being able to see his family for the period of time that he's been away, were all elements that uh, were a part of his interest to explore the opportunity and, and of course, our support for um, engaging in that conversation. And through the week, as, as the conversations progressed, it has moved very quickly, but we were able to arrive at an agreement with Manchester United, as well as with Mark on, um, on this opportunity for him in, in Manchester, and um, which resulted in him stepping down from his position and role as head coach of, of Orlando Pride, and, and as mentioned, as will Carl following tomorrow's game. I have full confidence in, in Carl leading tomorrow's game. Uh, the players have had a professional uh, week of training led by Carl uh, through the week and, and feel that he's prepared the team uh, for tomorrow's game. And uh, he has the full support of the locker room, our captains and every player to, um, to successfully um, lead tomorrow night's match. So um, we have um, released that information. We also will share in short order um, an interim uh, head coach and assistant coach who will uh, remain with Orlando Pride through the end of the year. And during that time, we will begin a process uh, to um, search for and hire our next full-time head coach, uh, hopefully with the target date of having that position filled uh, by the end of this calendar year, uh, hopefully a little sooner, uh, possibly by the end of the season, uh, to be able to move into the offseason um, that will have an expansion draft and then into the college draft, a big offseason for us with some important signings that we'll need to make, hopefully have that position filled um, and be a part of that decision-making process as we go into the offseason. So a bit of a long-winded speech from Amanda Duffy, but very succinctly wraps up the entire timeline of what transpired basically over the last week of officially Manchester United reaching out to the Orlando Pride and saying, hey, we want Mark Skinner, and then the Pride saying, you can have him. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot lot to unpack here. I mean, the, the, the timing of it, obviously, for the Pride is, is not ideal. I mean, they've been having a good season up to this point, and then to kind of while it's all finally coming together, you know, it's the middle of his third season, things haven't been so great up to this point. And now you're essentially not at the moment, but, you know, by the end of the year, going to be hitting, re- you know, hitting the restart button once again. So it's it's a big transition period now. And and one of the things that stood out to me from that press conference and, and you followed up with her later on is she, she talked a lot about... Obviously, this is not going to be a short process. They're not going to have a coach within the next couple of months, most likely. Um, you know, it's probably going to be until October, November, around that time frame that we can kind of expect to see some real news. But now it's on with, we talked about the new ownership, and she mentioned it, kind of figuring out where the Pride want to go from here and what kind of club they want to be. She used the term Pride 2.0, and it's not just finding a head coach, it's finding figuring out what the identity of this club is going to be moving forward. And, you know, this is Duffy's first time being able to to lead the charge in this rebuilding effort. And, you know, you, you, when um, Austin, you can kind of get into more of what she said on that because you asked her about that as well as kind of her time, her, her this is her opportunity as well, her, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, in the short term, you know, finishing out the season but in the long term this is the start of a new a new big project that the pride are gonna have to take on now yeah and again uh the big thing with this move is that carl green will be coaching the last game or the most recent game coming up this weekend then according to reports coming from meg linehan everyone's favorite nwsl reporter the Pride are going to bring in a legend in the college coaching circle, Becky Burley. And when when I say the name Becky Burley, I hope most people that know 
women's soccer know who she is because I know I do. she has she has been around the University of Florida since 1995 and has led one of the most successful college women's soccer programs in the history of college soccer in general, not even just the women's game. Um, only NCAA champions once back in 1998, but constantly in the NCAA tournament, constantly developing players. I mean, you don't have an Abby Wambach without a Becky Burley. Let's put it that way. So she is one of those head coaches that has been deserving of a professional job, but has never really left the University of Florida until this last year. She retired from the University of Florida in 2021. And funny enough, (laughs) shout out to uh, the current University of Florida head coach that she tapped to overtake her, Tony Amato, who graduated from Rollins College, played collegiate Hmm. soccer there. So another kind of local tie to the uh, programs here. Anyways, that that's beside the point. Just just getting my Rollins bias out of the way. Well, we get our we get our Rollins sponsorship check now because you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, of course. Listen, we use their studio for years. We have to give them a shout out. Oh, absolutely. It's 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 a part of the deal. Worth it. So sorry, Gavin, that's that's it's in the contract that doesn't (laughs) exist. Anyways, Becky Burley apparently going to be coaching the Pride after this coming weekend yeah and it's it's an interesting hire i mean like for right you now got, i mean listen it's, you gotta it's think interim. that it's going to be her job if she wants it yeah i mean duffy obviously said like the the process will start next week for developing a candidate you know for developing a, a coaching profile and a list and everything so yeah that's i mean that's that's to like, say that but then at the same time you have this person already lined up to take the interim job makes you wonder if there if this is going to be a pre-agreement to like hey i'm just here to you know do this i i want to run you guys through the season i'm helping out some friends here or if this is like yeah i would like to do this job long term and now i'm auditioning for it so i say i mean you're getting we'll, we'll you're know more like- when the pride actually announce it and they might allude to some of these questions but for now yeah it's it's gonna be interesting yeah, you're getting you're getting PR speak for you know we're beginning the process whatever like that's what every organization is gonna say from the very beginning. I I think absolutely you don't bring in a coach with that kind of experience and that kind of a reputation as an interim if you don't have any intention of going. Hey, if this works out, if if you know if this if you do well and you want to continue to do this, the job is yours. But obviously, you don't just say she's. I mean, you don't know she's never coached professionally and moving from collegiate to professional coaching is different in any sport uh the severity of the difference is is debatable for the different sports but it is different and so i think the idea is you know you don't bring in someone like that if you haven't already kind of told them like hey wink wink nudge nudge if you like this and and you know and we win some games like this job is yours if you want it yes and and just to mention very uh interesting note the name the names of of former Notable Florida Gators players includes somebody that Becky Burley will be coaching come next week, Erica Timrak, who graduated from the program in 2012. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to Gainesville, but for someone to be able to convince people to go to Gainesville willingly is pretty impressive. So obviously, Listen, she built it a is it is there. a swamp. She, it she is known as the swamp, but it is a literal swamp. Yeah, she clearly did a great job as a coach. If if you are able to convince people to want to come play there for decades, yes. I mean, they got they got Ginny Springs out there though. That, you know, that's worth the trip out to Gainesville. All right, you keep telling yourself that. Anywho, <laughs> that's why I haven't been there in about fifteen years. Yeah, not many people go there willingly. You went when you were five. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Becky Burley amassed a record of 489 and 133 and 38 draws in her time at the University of Florida in the SEC, which is still considered a very good conference uh, when it comes to women's soccer. And listen, we'll, we can talk about Becky Burley another time. Let's focus on the Mark Skinner matter at hand, if you will. Uh, with Amanda Duffy, she said, as Gavin mentioned much earlier, Pride 2.0. And I kind of asked her about what does that mean? What does Pride 2.0 mean? And she basically talked about the the new ownership 
when I asked about, you know, what about your vision putting the, the pride into play? Because this is the first time that Amanda Duffy and Ian Fleming, the general manager of the Orlando Pride, will have the opportunity to hire their coaching staff. Because when they were brought in, Mark and Carl were already ingrained in the program. So this is their opportunity to really shape the Orlando Pride to their vision. And when I asked Amanda about that, she went into about the new ownership and the executive leadership team from the Minnesota Vikings, who will apparently be involved with Orlando City and Orlando Pride. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Now, they were talking about the leadership and stewardship and the new ownership of the club, being excited about the Orlando Pride. And she mentioned, you're committed to investing at the right level that will allow the Orlando Pride to be a leader and driver of women's football in the NWSL and the United States and North America, and also globally. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know how much of that is like, you know, new bosses coming in, I have to say really like glowing things about them. Yeah, but so, also so like obviously money like, talks. So. Right, like there's a bit of uh, cynicism in that, but also like it's indisputable how much money the Wilfs have made in professional sports. And you look at like, it, I'm a big football fan, and they gave Kirk Cousins, a decidedly mediocre quarterback, a shit ton of money. So like they're willing to spend money on sports. They're not just buying sports teams to park on them and, and hope to raise some cash without understanding that the more you invest, the more cash you're going to make out of them. Yeah, so, listen, nobody buys a sports team for profit. No, well, you buy them to eventually sell them again in the future, but one of the best ways to increase value is to win. If you want to make your team more valuable, you win, and you make that team a hot commodity that everybody wants. Like, hey, this team is constantly competing for championships. They're worth so much more money. Like, if, if, if a team like... You know the New England Patriots or the L.A. Lakers, or and obviously none of these teams are going to go up for sale like ever. But if a team like that goes up for sale, the amount of money that they're going to be for sale for is going to be outrageous. Like people talk about these valuations for these teams, but the the actual valuations are significantly higher because what people would be willing to pay to be the owner of the Lakers would be just an absurd amount of money. And so the easiest way to make your club and your team more valuable is to win. And I think they know that as they've been in a league and in a sport where that that has been the thing. So bringing in ownership like that and bringing in ownership who their first choice to bring someone in as an interim. This is not like a full-time hire. Their first choice as an interim was someone who is a proven winner. And that, that to me speaks volumes because – and I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Flavio – Look at all of the other hire. Look at every hire Orlando City has made from from their beginnings in MLS, like post Adrian Heath, because that wasn't making a hire. That was just keeping the old guy, right? How many of them have actually been good hires? And the answer, the answer to me at least, is one. Like Pereja was a was a great hire. You had someone with a proven track record, who was perfect for the organization. Like there was there was absolutely unequivocally that was just a perfect hire every other hire was mm, are we sure about that are we i mean if mm, you're doing it in hindsight kind of thing i mean jason christ at the time was a good hire he was a, nah, you know, a, deck, a winning yeah, coach he was, he, he was listen, not a good hire. Cup no, 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 no. Listen, no, he, he got was, fired yeah. by NYCFC. Yeah, that okay, but look at NYCFC. The... Come on, look at NYCFC and tell me that the way that that club is run through those first few years was worth it. Yeah, but people were still like skeptic of the hire when it was announced for Orlando because again, he yeah. had that old Scott. Like he wasn't coming off success. He wasn't. Right, he was coming off of for, failure. It, it wasn't. But it wasn't like like Gavin said. He wasn't necessarily set up for success. But sure. that didn't that doesn't necessarily make it happen. Like the the reports from Jason Christ's tenure as a coach, from what I have heard over the last five years now, at RSL, he was set up for success because of his GM. I mean, Garth Lagerway, like, come on. The guy is a legend in the game. He's he's been everywhere and everywhere he has done roster moves as a GM, he has found success. Right? And Jason Christ basically just said, All right. I've got great players. Let me just put them out there and you guys go play. That's that's what I was told in terms of how Jason Christ handled his tenure at RSL. And he rode that success into a job with NYCFC. 
where he an didn't have a great job, GM. It's an expansion job, and he was fired after one year. Listen, yeah. I'm not saying that I don't think Orlando shouldn't have fired the guy because he was obviously terrible here. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you're talking about that structure above him that was putting a good product on the field. Who was that for him? Nikki Budelich, and look where that got us. Mm-hmm. Or look where that got Orlando with all those terrible contracts and signings that the team made. So it's not entirely his fault. Like, the team was poorly managed top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I'm just but- saying at the time... He like he left RSL after making it to the MLS Cup to go to NYCFC. So I mean, it's yeah, not like he left he, on a high. Yeah, he left on a high. You know, and had previously before that won an MLS Cup with RSL. So at the time, yeah, I mean, he was a very highly sought after coach on the MLS market in terms of name recognition and past success. I mean, you could also say the same thing for Paul McDonough was a good hire at the time until he was forced out. I mean, we've seen him go all over the place and be successful. Well, okay. I'll give you you the Paul McDonough one. Did Jason Christ win being considered for the Orlando City job was not in a good position? And I'm not talking about did this look good at the time. Because that is also a different argument, and also things look good to different people, and that's a that's a, a much more subjective. I'm looking at what worked out. Their job as as owners is to know more than we know. Their job is to be much better at this shit than we are, because all we do is talk about it every week. Like it is their job to get those decisions right, to bring in the right people. Yes, some look more obviously correct than others, but there have also been many people that have been picked for positions in the Orlando organizations on both the men's side, the women's side, and the overall just structural side of things that have just been unequivocally bad picks. You knew they were bad before they started. They ended up being bad, and their replacements were bad after. Look at how many people have been run out of town on all sides of the organization. The organization was not run well. And the hope I was is in that... the bathroom. How did we even get on this tangent again? We're talking about Mark Skinner. Talking about the club making a good decision in these new... The first big test for the new owners in bringing in an interim replacement for Mark Skinner, and they bring in a proven winner at the collegiate level. Understandably, like you do take a risk bringing someone at the collegiate level, but you bring in someone who is a proven winner and a known commodity and not just, hey, you know, Seb Hines, coach rest of the year. Yeah, uh, to be completely honest, I'm not sure if Seb Hines has the licensing for coaching that level yet. No, I know, but I'm saying it wasn't like, hey, let's just put anybody in that position to hold over. It was let's be ambitious and bring someone who can hopefully continue, like, help this team to do well and not just write this year off as well. We had a midseason transition. Right, and she's also a Florida native. Like, born in Florida, coached in Florida. Like, this yeah, is, no, this this is, is the, an the only Florida professional job that she could have taken. So it seems like the perfect fit. Yeah, and so, and again, again, we'll, we'll talk about Becky Burley later. Right, I, I want to get right. back to uh, Mark Skinner and, and the Pride situation, and then we got to talk about the Chris Mueller situation because that's still going on. Last couple of things I want to say about the the Duffy presser as well, uh, just in terms of what went happened and and how this transpired. Um, the thing with Mark, and he has been talking about a lot of this grand scheme of his grand plan grand master plan it's that it would take time it would take a lot of time to be able to figure out a lot of time to put together the right uh, pieces plural and and to be able to actually see the vision out and you know mark skinner you could say he kind of gave up on it I have heard from a number of sources that he lost the locker room somewhat early on this season. And that kind of prompted some more movement on the trying to get outside. You know, when, when Mark was hired originally and, and what, you know, even last year when they were going through the pandemic, there was high praise coming from the players. Um, You know, it, it hasn't necessarily been as noticeable this year. And having heard from different people, I can kind of understand why. 
can't get into it too much here, but it was it was something that may have pushed this move a little bit more forward in terms of timetable wise. Um, so Mark Skinner departs and leaves his grand scheme behind for the pieces to be picked up by Amanda Duffy and Ian Fleming. At least with Ian and Amanda, they were here for the draft, and they were able to pick the players that they wanted to pick. And with with a lot of young players, a coach like Becky Burley makes a lot of sense to be able to, to kind of mentor these players to become professionals. Again, Becky Burley's never coach professionally but she has been a developer of young players for the last almost 30 years now and the fit makes sense but for the 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 situation at hand with mark um the 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 worry is what's going to happen with the players what's going to happen with the locker room now because going through this entire process is kind of new for the pride mid-season they've only ever had two coaches which is Tom Sermani and Mark Skinner, and now you get to have a uh, a midseason firing, which has happened plenty of times in Orlando City's history, but never in Orlando Pride's history. So kind of going into uncharted territory here with the Orlando Pride. Any other final thoughts on the Mark Skinner situation before we talk about Chris Mueller? Uh, rest in peace, Manchester United. I am sorry that yet again you have made another terrible coaching decision Speaking of teams that have only made one good decision in the last, you know, 10 years, uh, Manchester United, Orlando City, very similar. Mm. I think all has been said. I mean, one of the things that Duffy alluded to is that, you know, Mark's been away from his family for a long time. And obviously, mm-hmm. this was a challenge that he knew about coming to America when he signed in 2019. But that was also before a global pandemic shut down international borders and, you know, getting in and out of the country and in and out of Britain and, and these things are is not easy. And that takes a, a very hard mental toll on a lot of people to not be able to see your partner and your child for weeks and months at a time. I mean, that's, that's a big deal, you know, and that things like that can, can wear on you, can certainly push you closer to, to, you know, being at the door. And like you said, you know, obviously the timing of all these things is not ideal, but you know, Guys, guys got to do what they got to do to, you know, to be with their family if the situation calls for it. Best of luck. Best of luck. And now we we wait and see what the future holds for the Orlando Pride. And now, tilting back to Orlando City. The last news we'll talk about today, at the very least today, because I'm sure it'll be coming up in the future over the last next couple weeks, months, etc. Chris Mueller. The club put out a statement the other day saying Chris Mueller has agreed to a pre-contract with a undisclosed team now known as Hibernian in Scotland. His contract is set to expire following the 2021 MLS season and Mueller informed the club that he has signed a pre-contract after the teams could not come to an agreement on an extension. So he is on the roster for the rest of the season and his time in Orlando, unless something else happens in between and they sell him. But according to Oscar Pereja today, there is no real awkwardness when it comes to this. And and you feel free to read into that. However you will. Uh, but I'll I'll play exactly what Oscar said here right now in terms of how you can interpret it. So here is Oscar Pereja and uh, his thoughts on Chris Mueller. Uh, Chris has been a, an unbelievable asset for this club, uh, more as a as a person, or even more as a person. So. I don't have any doubt about the commitment that he has with the group. Uh, these things are normal in, in the game and in, in, in the systems where players receive offers and 
and they may see something that is beneficial for their career. Uh, I play myself. I uh, was an international player myself, so I understand what those challenges means for the players. Uh, we don't have nothing but respect for Chris, and I don't have any doubt that he will contribute, as always, in, in every single training, in every single game. He will give us all. I'm happy for Chris. If this is something that it would help him in his career, he deserves it because he has worked very hard. I think Orlando, the club, the fans, the teammates, everybody should be uh, feeling very proud about this uh, announcement. It's something that is the production of the team. Uh, but for now, he's concentrating in, in the group. And I know he will give us 100 plus percent every game and every training. There you go. That is Oscar Perejo's full thoughts on the Chris Mueller situation. Gentlemen, I turn it over to you. Talk to me. What do you think about not only the situation, but what Oscar just said about the situation? I just want to, before we get into anything else, I just want to say that on the show, I was chastised for saying that Chris Mueller could possibly be gone before Daryl DK. And everyone made fun of me. And I would just like to tell you to suck it. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, mm. he's still here. So when he, was I, sold, it was he announced. It away. was announced that he is gone to Europe before Daryl DK permanently. I was right. I am correct. I would just like you to remember that I was right. And I think that the spotlight should go on top of me. Yeah. Um, Brad Newton is contractually obligated to be the only person that's ever been right about everything on this show. <laughs> so unfortunately, I cannot concede that to you. <laughs> I um, don't care about your concessions. Your concessions <laughs> are false and irrelevant. Yeah, well. Um, Anyways. Th- thoughts on the situation? I, I know. I mean, like. Listen, the ball was in Chris's court, you know, from from the very beginning. He came into the season in a contract year, coming off the best season of his career, you know, 10 goals, 7 assists in a in a shortened calendar season. The ball was in his court and in Orlando had to do something. They either had to sell him, which they didn't do despite the fact that they reportedly had offers for over a million dollars for the kid, or they could have re-signed him. And from what has been out there, the two sides just never came close to to agreeing on a deal. Now, at the same time, we don't know what that means. We don't know what Chris wanted. We don't know where Orlando valued him at. Right now, he's making one hundred thirty-seven thousand, which is, by all accounts, probably one of the biggest bargains in Major League Soccer. You know, for for what you can get from this guy. Um, to you know, Orlando doesn't have a strong reputation of bringing these guys back, and it's kind of building. It's been building over the years. You know, they weren't able to negotiate with Kyle Lair and they weren't, you know, they're not able to bring Chris Mueller back. You know, it's, it's all these things that they, that they could have done that they, they haven't, you know, again, we don't know what, what the numbers were behind the scenes, but now he walks and they get nothing for him. Absolutely nothing. And I think that's kind of more of the shocking thing is they, they lose out on that. But from Chris's perspective, I get wanting to go to Europe and I, I don't question the decision to leave now. He's 25. You know, this is this is the time he got to do it. I mean, he's going to be considered one of an old an older player over there, you know? So, he's got to make the jump, but the destination is what confuses me the most because I don't think that this situation is is going to put him on a better footing than if he were to stay in Major League Soccer with Orlando City. It's a it's a lateral move at best. He's leaving a team that is in contention for an MLS Cup in a very competitive league where a lot of eyes and a lot of scouts are watching to go to a league to be on the third place team. And Austin, do you know how far back the third place team in the Scottish Championship was from the champion? 40 points back. So it's mm-hmm. not like he's going to a competitive league. He's he's going there to be a competitive third place team, but that's a two-team league. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is funny you know i'm looking at the standings right now 38 games played last year rangers won 32 of those games they didn't lose a single game that's just crazy but you know what other than the experience do do you get out of this move and listen you know 
he, I'm sure the kid's got his, the guy's got his reasons and, you know, eventually we'll hear from him and we'll get to understand kind of the thought process behind it. But I don't know. I mean, he, he wants maybe this, you know, to him is the stepping stone to something bigger and being physically in Europe is the key to making a bigger move within Europe. But I don't know. I don't, I don't see this. I don't know. It, it's, he's going to have to go over there and whether or not he plays right away is another thing. And that's going to be worth watching. But listen, you know, the kid's betting on himself, and we, and we know that that's something he he preaches. So, it's, uh, he he does a hundred percent bet on himself always, and that will not stop him from from doing what he wants. And again, he's still young. I don't see his move to be a long term one. I think that at twenty four years old, he'll be twenty five in August. I think that he'll spend maybe two years there, depending on how well he does, and make a move further up the quote-unquote ladder i i mean and if he doesn't he comes back to mls that uh that bet on yourself is by the way if you know for those of you that don't know is literally the title of chris's book that comes out that came out last month actually yeah (laughs) and and you know funny funny timing how that happens where he says bet on Mm -hmm. yourself i'm going to prove that like it's basically a selling point for his book Tune out the noise and rise to the occasion. He's I'm sure he's tuning out some noise right now. Yeah, and he's he's set to rise to the occasion uh, come January, I guess. Kyle, any any thoughts? I think it's a good move for him. I think Gavin kind of alluded to the idea of physically being in Europe. I do think still that is a beneficial thing. So I think this ends up being this is a stepping stone clearly. And I think it's one of those, it will either work out and he will get to a bigger club or it won't and we kind of find where his ceiling is. But good for him. Good for him for, you know, finding a way to benefit himself and and make that next step he wanted to make. Yeah, I'll say too, it does give Orlando a decent, um, it puts him in a decent spot too because now they know ahead of time, you know, six months out from the winter that they're going to be losing him. Whereas you're, you go into the winter and you're still negotiating, you're hoping something gets done and then it doesn't. Now they kind of have, are able to game plan a little bit easier knowing what they're going to have to replace, you know, a few months from now. Right. And this is something we can talk about further down the road, but right. The future of Orlando city, you could be losing Nani, Daryl DK and Chris Mueller this winter and Mauricio Pereira. I mean, Orlando City might go in, you know, like you said, this is a whole different discussion, but Orlando City might go in to this offseason with three open designated player spots, a pile of cash from selling Daryl DK, and the obvious pile of cash sitting in the bank account of the Wilf family right now. Yeah, so it, it eventful offseason is shaping up right before us. And the first offseason under Oscar Pereja, where there, we, we, will, we will see significant change. Um, within the roster now let me ask you this as one of the last questions for this supposedly shortened show it is still pretty short by our standards yeah do you believe that he gets sold before january because from what the reports from hibernian are is that they want him to join the team before january and they will pay some sort of form of money to be able to do that the question is, would Orlando City be acceptable to that? Because it sounds like, from what Oscar Perry has said, that they wouldn't be. I mean, it's the question is, do you take a couple hundred thousand dollars now, or do you make a shot at an MLS Cup? I mean, they don't need the money. Like they don't. And, and if Chris wants to go in the club, if Hibberdeen wants her that bad, wants him that bad, then I'm sure the sides will work something out. But I think if Chris is happy staying here. And happy with going there in January. You you got to ride this one out if you're Orlando City. I mean, this is the best chance that they've ever had to make some real noise within this league. I don't see why it's an option that you're looking to explore. Because like I said, you know, the cash is nice, but it's not like they need it. Unless you have a firm replacement lined up, yeah, you don't get, you don't get rid of them now. You use them for as long as you can keep them, and then you get rid of them when, when you have to. Unless they, like I said, unless they have a, a replacement kind of that they're thinking of bringing in, 
I mean, you've got Sylvester Vandervater who's been who's stepped in really nicely in that spot. Right, but, but you need time, you I need mean, you need someone else to fill that This team has been hobbled depth. by depth, and they right. need, they definitely need him. Right, um, there has to be somebody else in that position that you're bringing in that you think is going to be a long term, if not solution, at least help to the club. Mm-hmm. So I could see them if they find that and identify someone to fill that role, they could get rid of them early. But other than that, I I just don't see that happening. All right. Fair points all around. Any last thoughts before we uh, say goodbye? Fantastic. No more news. That's that's my thought. Too much news this week. Too much news. It, it. I mean, again, if we have to do a special episode just to break down three things that happened because they're just so big in magnitude and we're not even talking about the game that happened, yeah, too much news. Too much news. Well, that's been it for this special edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. Tonight, the Orlando Pride play O.L. Reign. Go out and support. It's at the Exploria Stadium. And then Orlando City play on Sunday against NYCFC. We'll break down all the games that happened. The Thursday game against Philly, the Saturday game against O.L. Reign, and the Sunday game against NYCFC on next week's show of the Orlando Soccer Show. So be sure to tune in then. But until then... Thanks for tuning in. For Gavin Eubank and for Kyle Foley, I'm Austin David. We will see you next week.